Welcome along to another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast. And I'm delighted to say someone who has been waiting patiently to be on this uh, podcast for a while. We we sort of arranged it a couple of times. It's never actually happened. Finally, we're here doing it. Sebastian Garache. How was the pronunciation? It was, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. <laughs> How are you doing? Nice to have you on the show. It's uh, fantastic to be here. Commonwealth episode. Always good to have those. <laughs> So, um, obviously, you have written in the past for the, uh, the Fight Game uh, website. How sort of frequently have you, uh, have you written for them? Oh, man. It's, uh, I've gotten across it two articles up there. So, I think the last one was last year. As oh, okay. Fans were slowly coming back in from the pandemic, and I wrote something about the, uh, the fans at the Toronto WrestleMania for 18. So. And tell us about the uh, the Hitman Chronicles podcast you're doing with the great Robert Silver as well. Everybody calls him the great Robert Silver. I, I love <laughs> his gimmick with that. Um, yes, yeah, so we've uh, been doing a series of episodes on Brett the Hitman Hart in chronological order from his uh, greatest matches from his early days to his uh, not-so-great days in the WCW. So it's been, uh, it's been fun doing that with him. Because Justin Nipper... And myself, we're yeah. going to do a similar kind of podcast. But then, yeah, obviously, I heard yours and uh, Roberts, and I was like, "Well, there's no way we can actually, you know, do that now because you've already kind of you've already done it so well. I mean, how can we possibly try and match it?" But uh, I think that the best thing to go for is like the worst of the Hitman matches because those are almost uh, more fun because you can dig into some of the WCW stuff. Yeah, well, I, I don't want to dig into WCW stuff. <laughs> it was bad enough living it the first time without without uh, wow. without reliving it. But um, let's go back to how you became a fan in the first place, because this is what this uh, show is all about. So, what is your earliest memory of wrestling? My earliest memory of wrestling. There was uh, a few guys that really caught my attention early on. Uh, I always remember Don Morocco being one of the first guys that I really identified with. Um, and just as a little kid hearing, um, you know, beach bum and just thought it was the funniest thing in the world. Uh, and so I remember that, uh, my very first wrestling memory though, because, uh, for some reason in my mind, I hated wrestling because it used to come on, uh, and it would be opposite Tom and Jerry. And my dad was a big wrestling fan. And so I always remember, I'd be like, I don't want to watch wrestling, I want to watch Tom and Jerry. And so I just sat, and I watched it for a few minutes, and I remember seeing Hulk Hogan, and I'm not even close to what I call a Hulk Hogan fan, um, but when you're little, that guy was so charismatic, and he just captured you, and you just watch him, and you're just like, oh man, this guy is a superhero, you don't even know what to think. So I remember I was probably around three years old, um, and I would run around the house, and I'd just rip my shirt off, and I'd pose in front of every mirror in the house, and I just wanted to, you know, be a superhero like Hulk Hogan, and I just thought he was absolute coolest. So my earliest memories of uh, those two, and then um, really transitioning into some other guys like uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper and uh, Macho Man. Those, those were the guys that hooked me when I was a kid and uh, kept me on the ride. 
Well, the, the next question is which wrestlers yes. capture your imagination. So those would be the guys then. So Don Morocco, yeah. Hogan, Piper. Anybody else on that list? Yeah, for the Piper thing, um, the one thing about Piper that captured my imagination the most is that when I watched Piper, for whatever reason, just the, the cockiness and the way he spoke and his attitude, it, it just, it spoke to me, and I just, I understood Piper, if that makes sense, and I was very young when I first started watching him, but I remember seeing him with his hand behind his back, um, being a jobber on on just regular WWF television, and it's like, how can this guy just beat somebody with his hand behind his back, and it was absolutely mind-blowing for me as a kid, just watching a guy like Piper and the way he spoke and just his personality. It was insane. Um, and the other thing is uh, my older brother who does not watch any wrestling at all whatsoever. And he's 13 years older than me. So there's a big age gap with us. He loved Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, for whatever reason, it was like his one and only era that he watched wrestling was during the Macho Man era. And he used to take promos, and my sister would be Miss Elizabeth, and he would be Macho Man. And of course, you know, your older brother is always the coolest person in the world to you when you're a kid. So I'd hear him cut the Macho Man promos and just, yeah, dig it. <laughs> and my sister would just be Elizabeth. And it was just, it was the absolute worst stuff, and I loved every second of it. And from there, I was like, wow, so my cool older brother loves this stuff, and I love Roddy Piper and Don Rocco and Macho Man and everything from that point on was just my imagination running wild and it's on the imagination part as well. I had LGN action figures and I'm sure that everybody had some uh, form of wrestling action figures growing up who listened to this, but I was already booking the territory when I was <laughs> like four or five years old, just trying to figure out who the belts belongs to and putting on matches with the figures and, you know, trying to create some new tag teams. And whenever I go to a wrestling show, I had to bring them with me. And so the whole imagination thing, that was wrestling for me. It was, wasn't just what I saw on the screen, but it was also, you know, the fantasy land that I created in my head when I was playing with those toys. And um, I know I'm uh, going off a little bit, but the other big thing for the imagination was um, you, did you see the movie Child's Play? I've not seen that, no. No, okay. So is, that the Chuck, is that the Chucky has, one? It is the Chucky one. Yeah. So I had uh, a doll, it was called My Buddy, and Chucky was based on this doll, the My Buddy doll. And so I was uh, maybe five years old when I got this thing, and, you know, it was uh, this, supposed to be this big, doll for boys and it was you know all the rage at the time and i would beat the stuffing out of that with wrestling moves <laughs> and i was convinced that i was going to be a pro wrestler and i remember just taking it on the couch and getting it super effective and i was obsessed with doing the macho man elbow off of the top of my couch onto the uh, on my buddy doll on the floor and so i was having these hardcore matches just me versus my buddy and so all of that was imagination to me all of that was just being hooked by uh, by wrestling and all of that in my imagination so what was the first live show that you would have attended 
it was definitely a Maple Leaf Garden show. And so anybody who knows wrestling of the era, um, Toronto is a big territory for guys uh, like Bruno. Um, and my dad would go to the shows uh, all the time. You know, Bruno would come to town and he'd always hit his certain spots. But um, Bruno loved working for Frank Tunney because Frank Tunney gave him his big break. So my dad was going to shows every week. And, um, you know, he's an Italian immigrant. Going to see Bruno was a big, big deal in those days. And I missed the Bruno era, which I regret. But unfortunately, I was not born yet. So not quite my fault. Um, but when I was growing up, I knew that I just, I needed to see it live. So my first show that I remember had Hulk Hogan on top and, um, you know, people probably know Toronto's a big Hogan town and I can't for the life of me remember who you'd have faced. I think one of the early shows I went to was Hogan and Kamala. Um, and I definitely had my Hogan LJN figure as well as my Iron Sheik, um, and whoever else I would have brought along with me. But my first show that I remember definitely had Hogan, and it was early on in his big run, and so whoever he was been facing at the time. And then he had his big match against Orndorff in Toronto, but that wasn't my first show. So this would have been sort of 84, 85-ish? Somewhere in the neighborhood. Yeah. I was born in 1981, so I would have been... Uh, you know, three or, yeah, in the ballpark, somewhere around there. So have you been a fan pretty much from that point till today, or at any point did you sort of lose your love for wrestling kind of thing? Did you ever sort of lose interest in it at any, at any point? Yeah, I, I think that, um, and I, I know what's coming up uh, in terms of the question, but my lowest point in fandom is probably right now. And oh, okay. it, yeah. it doesn't really have anything to do with the current product because I still, I subscribe to the WWE network. Um, they actually accidentally canceled it on me and I didn't realize it for a while because I don't watch it that much. Uh, but I still enjoy watching uh, the pay-per-view. But uh, just life coming at you and 2021 has been a hectic year. So I can probably count, uh, you know, under 20 hours watching wrestling this year, which is so incredibly low for me it's ridiculous so ne never at any other point have you sort of not uh, followed it really really closely oh goodness no I, ever since I was uh, ever since I was like three I've been following it obsessively and I think the the one thing that affected my fandom the most was Ron going to three hours which is probably a lot of people's answer um, because it goes from must view every week to eh, I'm not going to really watch three hours of Raw every week um, and so I think that that's uh, you know if you're looking for causation and that was about 10 years ago that definitely affected my viewing habits um, because I never missed an episode before one three hours so every single episode they ever had I watched the whole thing um, until they made that switch and then it became well I'll watch most of Raw and I'll watch Raw most weeks um, but in terms of the the weeks I've watched everything, I just uh, with my schedule right now, this year would, would be it. So the next question is, what are your viewing habits now? So do you not even like watch yeah. AEW every week, or no? I definitely don't watch AEW every week, um, and uh, not to go off on an AEW tangent because 
I am so happy that AEW exists. I'm happy that people get paychecks for it. I've tried so many times to get into the AEW product. And I have to say, my hatred for the Young Bucks makes it so hard for me to watch that <laughs> ever. And I apologize for your ratings. Everybody's tuning out and he's cursing at me now. Um, I, I, I think that certain people there, such as Mox, are fantastic. Eddie Kingston is great. Um, so I, I definitely watch bits and pieces of it. But to me, AEW was at its best last year with Mox on top. Uh, you know, just it, it just felt like a really fresh and cool promotion. And now that um, you know he's not on top, FDR is not the tag team champions anymore. We've got the Bucks. Um, I can't stand the Good Brothers. Um, Kenny Omega, like as a wrestler, is not doing it for me at all with his belt collector thing right now. So. I'm not hating on AEW by any means, but I, I, right now I'm at, uh, it, it hasn't drawn me in, and that's probably the biggest reason that I don't watch a lot right now because, uh, you know, time restraints, but also the more I try and get into AEW this year, the more I'm just trying to hold from it. So it's uh, been a bit of a rough go for the year. What about a guy like MJF? I mean, do you, uh, do you enjoy what okay. you see of his work? He is definitely a bit of a junior piper right now yeah i was just going to say for someone that loves roddy piper you must uh, you must dig some yeah. stuff that mjf does yeah i think that um my thoughts are that mjf is going to probably be the best in the business one day um yeah i don't think he's there right now i, I definitely i watch some of his promos that people are saying are you know the best promos that they've seen in years and i think that most of them are very good um to me, he's not at the very top yet. To me, he's uh, to me he's somebody who's what 24, 25 years old right now, yeah. and uh, a couple more years of seasoning. That guy is probably going to be the best in the business. Um, but you know, if you give me a guy, you tell me to pick a guy best on promos in the world, I'll probably go with a guy like Edge over him still. Um, and it's not to say that he won't surpass him one day. Uh, but I definitely think he's got a very bright future. Because people are saying that he's outshining Jericho. I know you're not, you're not following it that closely, yeah. but I, I think Jericho... See, Jericho's a really smart guy. I, I think that he's holding back, and he's sort of letting MJF shine. I, I think that's maybe what's happening. I don't think that MJF is necessarily outshining Jericho, but uh, you, obviously you don't follow it that closely, so you won't have the, much of an opinion <laughs> on that. But um, is Jericho a guy that you're a fan of at all? So I'd say Jericho um, definitely at one point in my life was a top five guy all time. Um, right now, um, and this has probably less to do with his wrestling and more to do with his politics, politics and his yeah. stances on certain things. I, the guys that go away eat with me. I don't like seeing them. I unsubscribe to his podcast. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, just, I, I find the guys gotten very gross, and so I don't, uh, I'm not a big fan of what he's done. No, I can, uh, I can appreciate that. Um, on to what I call the rapid-fire questions, which uh, really aren't rapid-fire in the in the slightest, but your favourite wrestler of all time, who would you uh, go for for that? So definitely two parts. I think that if you're looking at the greatest overall wrestler in terms of in-ring promo, everything, 
um, coming together. You go Macho Man Randy Savage. Mm -hmm. um, the guy was just absolutely phenomenal in every way, shape, and form. Absolutely bonkers. Uh, favorite wrestler, though, uh, going Bret Hart for sure. Because yeah. anybody who... And, and it might be a little bit difficult because, you know, I was born and raised in Toronto, but when people say that the Hitman was like a national icon and people everywhere loved him, it's absolutely true. He was just astonishingly big at the time. He was in commercials, he was on TV shows, and everybody, everybody knew who Bret Hart was. And when they had the Canada versus USA angle, it was like the peak of wrestling for yeah. everybody that I knew. Everybody's watching it at the time. And Brett is still, to me, the best in performer ever. And when I see guys like FTR, I'm like, that's definitely a lot of Brett influence when I see um, them go in the ring. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's my favorite of all time. Yeah, I think uh, the USA versus Canada angle is one of the best they ever did because they, they successfully managed to make Bret Hill in the States, but he was still beloved everywhere else. I mean, he obviously still loved in Canada and also here in the UK and across Europe as well. It was only really in the yeah. States that he was a heel. Yeah, and he was huge in Germany too, from what I remember. Not yeah. that I was ever in Germany at the time. Um, but just uh, across the world, everybody was uh, was a Brechtian, and I think at the time, you know, there was uh, definitely some anti-American sentiment being felt for certain things that was happening, uh, and I think that people really saw Brett as someone who was, you know, trying to point things out, and so people in the U.S. Um, obviously hated him for it, and people in other places in the world are like, hey, he's making some good points. <laughs> I would say he was probably obviously Canada number one. I'd say Germany probably number two in terms of his fan base, and then probably the UK third at, at, at the time. But um, anybody else in that sort of? I mean, if you had to sort of do a top five, I mean, who else would be in that on that list for you? Oh man, after um, Brent and Macho Man, probably have to go with The Rock. Right? Uh, yeah, because no, one, no one's mentioned The so Rock good. before, so that's uh, that's good to know. Oh man, The, the Rock is just. To me, he's the epitome of coolness. If you want to look at a guy who's just got it down, um, you know, you watch him just doing his Hollywood thing. You're watching the Young Rock, um, his social media engagements, his tequila company, his owner of the XFL, and on top of that, just such an electrifying performer in the ring. That guy is the absolute man. So, you know, I've always thought ever since I was. Uh, in high school watching him and nothing against Stone Cold because Stone Cold would make my top 10 of all time but in my specific high school I think that you'd be looking at The Rock would have been the number one guy even when Stone Cold was running rampant and everybody loved The Rock so he's uh, he would make the list for sure I'd probably go Mick Foley as well um, I know I'm over representing a certain era here but um, I've read the Mick books. I've I followed Mick fully from his early WCW days, mm -hmm. and I was like the only kid in my class watching WCW back then. So <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd be watching Sting, Vader, Foley, uh, William Regal. Um, I guess Lord Stephen Regal at the time. 
and nobody in my class knew what I was talking about because there was some WWF fans, but nobody cared about WCW at all. Um, so I've been a huge Mick Foley fan for a long time. Uh, and then I would probably wrap up with Shawn Michaels as well. Um, and I know going back to the same era, but I would say Shawn makes a list, not for his, uh, his stuff even in DX. But when he came back from his retirement, right. yeah. that guy was just a machine. Like He had a second half of his career like nobody else I can say in wrestling history. That was just crazy. His, uh, all of his matches, his promos, the emotion, he just squeezed everything out of you. And then he never came back for another match because you don't count that one in Saudi Arabia. Never yeah, that never happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite match of all time? That one is uh, it's a tough one. Um, I would probably lean towards Bret Hart versus Stone Cold uh, WrestleMania 13. Yeah, that's got to be the most popular choice, I would say. Yeah, yeah, it's such a good match. Um, Taker versus Michaels one, mm-hmm. absolutely embodied that match as well. Um, and uh, you know, I, I know that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of disagreement over the Taker and Michaels, especially because, you know, the five stars are not, but that to me was uh, such a perfect match. Um, and then just from a personal standpoint, Hogan versus The Rock was a spectacle like nothing I've ever been to. And uh, I've seen GSP fights in Montreal, and I've seen a couple of WrestleManias and all sorts of other events. But Hogan Rock is goosebumps that was insane being there live and really i don't know if anything could ever replicate that again in the business just because the business has changed so much since that match but that uh, to me has got to be on the list as well did you go to both of the toronto wrestlemanias oh absolutely yeah the one at wrestlemania 6 so warrior i was big into for I think everybody had like a two-year run with Warrior where they were obsessed with him, and they were like, oh, what did I see him again? Um, but I was obsessed with the Warrior when it came to Toronto, and I had literally the back row of the Sky Dome. So if you go and look at the events and see how far back it was, you could see the ring, but a lot of it you're just watching sort of on the Jumbotron because it was so far away, but it was... Uh, I was nine years old when it came, and that was it was special going through that one. What would you say the uh, percentage was uh, for Hogan Warrior? Would you say it was about fifty-fifty, or, or more in Hogan's favor? Or oh, it's tough to say. Looking back, so many years later, I know that because I was cheering so loud uh, for the Warrior, um, and I was there with my dad, and my older brother, so. Uh, he was uh, he was going more for Hogan, and I think that it was oh man, nine year old me memories. I'd say it was a fifty fifty split. Um, Hogan was ridiculously over in Toronto, so anytime he was there, even though um, Warrior was probably the hotter character at the time, and Hogan was a little bit stale, I, I think that he probably still got fifty percent for Hogan, and Hogan was such a massive draw in Toronto that he main evented three events in three different decades that drew, drew over 60,000 people 
And that's my favorite stat about Hogan because he was just for decades running Toronto and you could pull in the massive numbers there. And did anyone cheer for The Rock at uh, WrestleMania 18? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, people were cheering The Rock, but it was um, not a lot. <laughs> I, I wore my Hulk Hogan bandana um, that I purchased at WrestleMania 6 because they didn't have an Ultimate Warrior jacket. So I got a Hulk Hogan bandana, and I felt a little weird. So I was like, I want Warriors to win, but I want to buy something. Uh, so the bandana that I bought at 6, I wore at 18. And I was going nuts over Hogan because it was like his big return. And WCW dropped the ball on Toronto. They didn't run Toronto a lot. And even yeah. when they did, yeah, it, it was like DDP made a big return <laughs> uh, against Hogan. It was in Toronto. And everybody scared Hogan. It's like, what do you think? This has been Hogan's territory for decades. How is anybody going to boo him? He stood out every couple of weeks to make the gardens for years. So Toronto's always been a Hogan town, and there was no way that that was going to change for anybody. I don't care if it was Stone Cold or The Rock or who it was. It was going to be Hogan tonight. And even when they got Brett in WCW, they still didn't really run Canada all that much, did they? They really, they really did drop the ball. Big time. No, they, I went to the World War Three pay-per-view, um, and that was a big night for Brett, and I was in Toronto. But uh, if I'm remembering correctly, because the Nitro sold out in about 20 minutes when they had it, uh, and that's the time where Brett had the um, iron plate on his chest and Goldberg gave yeah. him a spear, and then Brett got the visual pin. And they sold out right away. When they did World War Three. Don't think that it sold out. I could be wrong on that, but I remember that I got really fantastic tickets, um, and I went. Uh, I actually went with a buddy of mine who's interviewed Brett before, and so he's uh, he's gotten sort of more into the uh, the celebrity side of things. And we snuck in a Mickey or vodka and watched some WCW because that's what you do. You get drunk and watch WCW. Um, but that that event, I don't even think sold out, so it was a bit of a, a disappointment. I don't even remember what was on that card. Well, I, I think uh, Goldberg versus Sid in an I Quit match, and then um, Brent versus Benoit. I think was the finals of a tournament. Oh, the I know, I know the one. Oh, I, was that World War Three? I, I thought I thought that was like on. Um, that was the one with like a million run-ins, wasn't it, at the end? When Brett won yeah, the belt, I think? Um, yeah, Brett won the belt. Uh, Jeff Jarrett was in the tournament, too. Uh, I'm trying to remember. This is why you don't drink vodka when you go to an event, because I remember WrestleMania 18 so much better as a year later. Um, but yeah, there was... Uh, ben White, I think, and Brett were the finals when Brett won the belt. And now you're... Uh, I'm questioning it. I'm pretty sure it was... I thought that show was called. I've got, I've got the name Mayhem in my head for when for when oh. when Brett won the belt in for, against Benoit in the final. But I might be completely wrong. But uh, I don't know why that that, yeah. that that name sort of is in, is in my head for some reason. It, it very well could be by that <laughs> point. WCW was so dead to me anyway. Oh yeah, they Plus, had so uh, many ridiculous names towards the end. There was like Sin and and Greed and uh, I, I don't know. I, I, they all sort of run together, don't they? All these bad shows, but 
Yeah, and also I owned uh, WCW Mayhem for the Nintendo 64, and that was a terrible game, so. <laughs> um, the, the best show you ever attended live, so I'm guessing it probably wasn't World War Three or whatever it was called, but what was the uh, the best show that you ever went to? Would, would, it, would it be one of the WrestleManias? Uh, yeah, I'd have to go WrestleMania 18 just because uh, it's hard to top that atmosphere. And when you go into a show like that and you see what's maybe the, I don't want to say the biggest match of all time, but looking back on it, it certainly felt like it was one of the biggest matches in history. Um, it, it sticks with you the most, I would say. So that would have definitely been um, probably the best show. There was another show that was, in terms of fun, just off the charts, and that was, um, I think it was called WWF Experience, and they did a 10-year anniversary on uh, the big event show. So the big event was Hogan versus Orndorff, uh, 60,000 plus people in Toronto at the Exhibition Stadium. And so 10 years after that, we did... Um, the anniversary show, and on top it was Shawn Michaels versus Goldust in a ladder match, and it was the first ever ladder match for the world title, and this was on a Toronto house show, and it actually had the biggest attendance of the year for uh, the WWF that year, bigger than that year's WrestleMania in terms of attendance, which was crazy because that would never happen to it. and they just had like such a cool card, and they had um, Mankind versus Undertaker on it, uh, Jose Lothario versus uh, Jim Cornette. It was just a really weird and fun card. And before uh, the show, we meet all the wrestlers. Roddy Piper made a surprise appearance, uh, and that's when he wasn't really doing anything with the company. Um, so that would be the other show that I have the fondest memories of. So is that before he came back for the match with Goldust at WrestleMania, or would that be after? Good question. Um, let's see, what year would that have been? That was 96. That must have been after, because if, if Sean was the champion, he won it at WrestleMania 12, didn't he, in 96? So. Yeah, and uh, so it would have been, yeah, time lunch, I think. So yeah, I think that it was his first appearance. It might have been his first appearance since then. I don't know, I'd, I'd have to go on the Google <laughs> machine and check that, but... Uh, but he just, um, he made an appearance to welcome the crowd, and um, Piper's a Canadian boy, so he uh, probably didn't take much convincing to get him back here. And the question I ask everyone uh, is, if you could change one thing about the business, what would it be? So is, is there one thing, apart from obviously rule not being three hours, uh, is, there, um, <laughs> is there one thing that you would like to change about, about wrestling in general? Aside from Raw three hours and the Young Bucks just going away somewhere, um, yeah, I would like to see a complete overhaul in the WWE. Just NXT is—I've uh, been watching it because it's been on cable in Canada since um, over probably over a decade now. So I've, I've been following it and watching it, and I've loved NXT, and I'm I'm okay with that. Um, and SmackDown. Um, most of the time before this year was usually pretty good. Uh, but the product is very, very weird right now. And I don't even want to say it's stale. It's like they 
Um, they've lost their instincts for what to do. And I want to see what would happen if you had you know, Triple H maybe on top running things on the main brand. Or it doesn't even have to be Triple H. It can be someone else. Because they've got such a stacked roster, it shouldn't feel so underwhelming most weeks. So, um, you know, let Vince retire and <laughs> see what happens from that. Because I think part of AEW's appeal is that it's got this fresh feel to it, but it's also very old school. You look at Tony Khan um, and what he does. He does a lot of WCW. He does a lot of ECW. And, you know, he sort of regurgitates a lot of what works. That's not a bad thing, because you should be looking back at what works and trying to integrate new things with it. And so even though I think that he's, um, I don't think that he's nearly as good of a booker as people say he is, I think that he's a very good mind for the business to get people talking and get people excited. Um, and I, if you had somebody like that in WWE, you wouldn't have these continually spiraling ratings. Um, and so that's the big thing. And also, um, bringing Becky Lynch back, because she's the best, and I'd watch her video <laughs> issues on anyway. So. Yeah, because we were all expecting to see her at WrestleMania. And, Absolutely. Uh, that's I, a heartbreak if she wasn't there. But yeah, she's got to make it. She's got to do what's best for her and her family. So I'll, I'll be patiently waiting for her to make it back to TV. But to me, that's when... In terms of emotion, you look at somebody who brought me back into the business and somebody who's really changed and shifted things in the business. Uh, for me, it was definitely Becky Lynch. That's without a question. Yeah, that, without a doubt. The past she, five or six years. Yeah, she was the biggest star in the company like you yeah. know, two two years ago, whenever it was. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, she, uh, yeah, I mean, I've always been a big fan of her, but she, she sort of stepped out of the... The shadow, because I mean, she really out of the the four women in the uh, four horse women, she wasn't really ever the focal point. I mean, it was always about Charlotte and, and Sasha, and to a lesser extent Bailey, and then Becky was kind of like fourth in a way. But suddenly, she sort of became bigger than all of them, and it and it it was great to see, wasn't it? Uh, absolutely, and I think that um, you know you look at dramatic shifts in the way they do things. Um, you know, the way that the women are featured and the way that they've gotten themselves over from the time, you know, really that, that Becky was on top and even looking to this year with Sasha Banks. Um, and last year, Bailey was on fire. It was ridiculous. Uh, they've done really well with the women's division for certain things, but people like Bailey and Sasha, even, um, Becky, to an extent, could be bigger stars right now if they would just you know let them shine more, and that's really an indictment of you know the current WWE system that they've got going on. Is that um, even my favorite part of the show? Uh, I think that they need to really work on letting them work on more exciting things, um, and so hopefully when she comes back. Uh, it'll really step up the product and I'll be less of a last fan for the rest of the year. A question that sort of just popped into my head was what would be your yeah. favourite sort of women's match you've seen then? Oh God. Um, my favourite women wrestlers ever are uh, 
Tracy. She's uh, from Markham, just up the street from Toronto. Uh, and Becky, um, in terms of best match, uh, oh goodness, I might go. Um, I might go Sasha and Bailey in Brooklyn. Um, I've watched in Brooklyn, yeah, and I've watched that a few times um, with my seven-year-old, and she absolutely loves Bailey, uh, and she doesn't watch wrestling, but she has a Bailey action figure. And she thinks that Bailey is the coolest. So we've watched it together a few times. Uh, and that's such a good match. Uh, so that might be it. Or um, there's the three-way with Becky, Charlotte, and Asuka, which was pretty fantastic as well. Um, so, yeah, those uh, those would be probably my favorite matches. And... Um, you said about WWE, you know, you know, not letting the women shine as much as they could. I mean, if you look at Bailey and NXT compared to the main roster, I mean, you would think that when she got called up, she would become such a huge babyface. I mean, she could almost be like the female John Cena in a way. But they really didn't. Yeah. It really never went that way, did it? I mean, she. I mean, actually, her best work on the main roster has been this past year as a hill. Yeah, and it's crazy talk because they were handed this hugger gimmick and everybody loved her. Like everybody was cheering for her. I remember um, her against uh, like uh, Nia, Nia Jax, I butchered her name, um, in NXT, and they faced each other a few times. And you know, a couple of times, uh, Bailey would squeak out the win, and everybody was just going absolutely bonkers over it because she's the ultimate baby face. You just want her to win. She has that side ponytail. You love her. And I think it was, um, uh, oh, Soraya, I'm drawing a complete blank on her name. Oh, Paige. Um, I think it was Paige when she made her debut. She came up and interrupted her, right? Uh, when she made her raw debut. Yeah, um, that's right. And then, and then from that, it was like, yeah, they were just playing around up and down with her on the card. So she didn't really get a, could run until she became a heel last year. I mean, she had okay runs, but nothing compared to what she could have been. But she's clearly the female Cena, and they just never capitalized on that. But I mean, she's not the only one that they could yeah, have made a bigger star of. In because I looked at um, the video the other day of Nakamura's debut on SmackDown, oh, yeah. and that that crowd reaction to Nakamura was huge absolutely huge and they could have done I know he's not the performer perhaps he was you know f five six years prior to that but I mean he's still pretty damn good and you know he's, his, his theme has no lyrics but yet you've got people singing along to it uh, they really could have done much more of him but there's so many other cases isn't there is, is there one in particular that stands out would, would it be Bailey more than any other you would say out of all the people they've called up from NXT they, they, they have really dropped the ball with uh, I'd say her and uh, Kevin Owens would be the top two. Yeah, because Kevin Owens is another one. That, yeah, yeah, I mean, he comes in, beats John Cena, and then where does he go from there? I mean, I know he won the Universal title, had a run with that, but I mean, him and Jericho should have been the main event of that WrestleMania. They had the hottest angle going into it, for sure. Well, absolutely. And then, you know, I, I understood him losing um, 
because they wanted to have the big uh, Goldberg versus Lesnar match. Right. Uh, but even that match was, um, I thought the match was phenomenal. Goldberg and Lesnar over, um, overachieved like crazy, but it didn't need to be for a title at all. Like, there's no reason that it had to be. So you could have kept, um, you know, Kevin Owens there. And I saw him wrestle once at uh, a hockey rink that I used to go to as a kid. Um, you know, like 800 people, just a tiny show. That was our age, so I can't do a tiny show. But uh, uh, when I saw him then, I was like, this guy's just so phenomenal. Yeah. And the same show I had at Brian Danielson versus Cesaro, two more phenomenal guys. Um, but KO, right when he started in NXT, was big. And he destroyed Sami Zayn and you know, all this momentum. He came to the roster and beat John Cena. And then they just kind of like, yeah, we'll keep you as an upper mid guy. But I think that he had the potential to be, um, if not Austin's side, close to that. Just like Bailey would be a female Cena. Definitely. Absolutely. And I think even this year, I mean, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, if they're given them time at WrestleMania, they could have absolutely torn the house down because they have, they've done that so many times over the years. And, uh, yeah. I mean, there's so many matches on this year's WrestleMania where I felt that they just didn't get the time. Yeah, and even Sami Zayn, that guy had never even, um, like, his first match ever was in NXT. So that guy's improved a lot over the last few years because he came from nowhere and uh, worked his way into NXT as a nobody. Do you find that you gravitate more towards the That's Canadian guys? Or? Just, uh, oh, sorry, I might completely um, miss that. Well, sorry. Yeah. Uh, just oh, because he, yeah, his first match is Sami Zayn, right? I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because El Generico, yeah, that, that's a completely different guy, right? It's a different guy. Yeah. He died. He died, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, for some reason I do have, I, I don't want to say some reason. When I was a kid, it was very important to me to you know, support Brett. Because uh, even as a kid, I loved Brett. Um, loved Owen. You know, all, all the Canadian guys. Edge right now, to me, Hall of Famer without question. You can't even give me an argument why Edge is not in the Observer Hall of Fame. Uh, even Dave votes from every year and he still has a leader, which is like bonkers bananas to me that anyone would not vote for the guy. Um, so yeah, I definitely gravitate towards uh, the Canadian, but it doesn't um, have the same cachet with me anymore. But I do think that um, in terms of being a personality and being a little over the top, definitely helps to be Canadian because you have a very different type of upbringing and you have more of a, a blend between U.S. and U.K. culture, which I think is why you see so many successful Canadian wrestlers and comedians. And uh, I, I think that it really comes through that you know, you've got this absurdity of, of being Canadian and that's why people tend to like you know, Canadians who make it. We could talk all night, I'm sure. Uh, and uh, yes. obviously this, this podcast as I always say oh, I seem to say it most weeks but this podcast uh, will only have a relatively short shelf life because I'm sure I'll run out of guests at some point so I'll have to think about what I'm going to do next but I definitely want to get more uh, do more of these podcasts in the future and uh, it's such a great group to be a part of the uh, the Fight Game podcast Facebook group I, I've gotten to correspond with uh, good folks such as yourself and uh, get them on this show and it's it's been really great so i look forward to doing more of these definitely in the future yeah and i look forward to being kicked out of the group after my young bucks talk so 
Oh, no, I'm sure that won't happen. I'm sure. I'm sure there's people actually in the group that share that same sentiment. Uh, yeah, because I think we've got such a widespread of uh, fans in in that group. I mean, I think we, uh, yeah, not everyone's going to agree all the time, but I, I think for the most part, it's a it's a very what's the word? It's a, it's a very um, pleasant place to be, for for lack of a better term. It, it, you know, people just really get on for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. But Sebastian, thank you very much indeed for for coming on. I've I've really enjoyed the talk. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I'm glad we finally got to do this after <laughs> yeah a few uh, a few occasions where there we are we're going to do it and then it never actually transpired. So, uh, but yeah. But for Sebastian, I'm David signing off, and uh, thank you for listening.